Welcome back to Darting Through the Faith. This is episode one of season three. We took a little bit of a hiatus here in November, um, just, you know, things happening, um, but we're back mm-hmm. and we'll be back again shortly with another another uh, episode. I think this is probably coming out on a Tuesday after Thanksgiving, so we just need a little time for the turkeys to settle. <laughs> and um, oh, by the way. Uh, this is Julia Mon and I'm Father Sean Wilson. <laughs> you can tell we're a little rusty. We've yeah. had a few weeks off. Yeah, I started talking turkey before. I was like, who's this person sitting beside me? <sighs> That's funny. So, talk, But today, this we were just talking about this in our official production meeting before <laughs> we went live. Okay, well, no, this isn't live. Before we hit record. Um, and we were talking about this being season one of episode... I had said that wrong. Yeah. Season three of episode one. And why is that significant? Father? Oh, because we're talking about the Trinity today. We are talking There's about There's three the persons and one God, right? Season three, episode one, three persons, one God. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like someone else is planning this. I know. I know. So speaking of this though, Trinity and three and one, we got a big. We should pray. We should pray. And we got a big task today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the the Son, and to to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and and will be forever. forever. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was my bad. It's all good. I we, Yeah. When you pray the Liturgy of the Hours, yeah, you just, get that end messed up sometimes. That's right. You do. <laughs> so. Yeah. So our, our task is cut out for us because we're in the part of the Creed about the Father, and then the revelation of God as Trinity. So how has God revealed himself as three persons and one God? So we didn't make this up on our own. Not like the church is like, hey, let's think of something really confusing that we could have some stumpers and give some people some doctorates about. Um, that's not what it is. God's This is God's self-disclosure. Of, that's funny. Yeah. I like. I that's funny. I'm in a really goofy mood, so if I'm just like yeah. randomly giggling on today's episode, please forgive me. But I do think or that's funny. Please edit it out. <laughs> or please edit it out <laughs> to pay her more. Okay, so we are in paragraphs 238 to 248. Relatively short section, but packs a punch and really gets you thinking. Meaty. Meaty. Boy, howdy, there, meaty. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first little section of this begins with the Father revealed by the Son. So Mm. many religions invoke God as Father. This is how paragraph 238 starts. And then I'm going to jump all the way down to 240. Many religions invoke God as Father. Jesus revealed that God is Father in an unheard of sense. Mm. He is Father not only in being creator, he is eternally father in relation to his only son, who is eternally son only in relation to his father. So it kind of gives us this idea that many religions invoke God as father. It gives us some examples of that in paragraphs 238, 239, and then saying in 240, but Jesus revealed that God is father in an unheard of sense. I found that really interesting. Right. Because even, you know, the Old Testament, God is called father. And so the, like it's not unheard of to call God father. And I, I don't remember all of the specific, I believe there, yeah, Deuteronomy and Malachi, there's some references there of God as, as called father, but the catechism is pointing like it's the God as creator as father as a, as a father helps in the creation of a child. Mm-hmm. Granted, there's not a mother in the creation of the world, but that's, let's not get too biological here. Doesn't that, doesn't that talk about this here a little bit? So yeah, in two, in two thirty nine by calling God, 
Father, the language of faith indicates two main things. One, that God is the first origin of everything and transcendent authority. And two, that he is at the same time goodness and loving care for all his children. Okay, so then it continues. God's parental tenderness can also be expressed by the image of motherhood, which emphasizes God's imminence, the intimacy between creator and creature. The language of faith thus draws on the human experience of parents who are, in a way, the first representatives of God for man. But this experience also tells us that human parents are fallible and can disfigure the face of fatherhood and motherhood. We ought, therefore, to recall that God transcends the human distinction between the sexes. He is neither man nor woman. He is God. He also transcends human fatherhood and motherhood, although he is their origin and standard. No one is father as God is father. So talk about is that. That's a great paragraph <clears throat> um, because it, it, it recognizes just like that this name of God, calling God father is not just like a wish. You know, like it's our imagination that God's got to be like this father and that God is some sort of human creation. But actually, he it's the best possible category that we have for who God is. And it's the one he chooses for himself, right? It's the mm-hmm. one that Jesus reveals, which is the point of this section, the father revealed by the son. But it's so, it, it like every human father is a poor imitation of God the father. And, you know, some are better than others, but at the end of the day, God's fatherhood and even how he acts as a mother, right? And it gets that like imi- intimacy mm-hmm. of um, of motherhood. But for whatever reason, and maybe we can, you know, this would be pure speculation. Why why does Jesus call God father instead of mother? Mm-hmm. You know, it's something interesting to ponder. Yeah, I really, <clears throat> the way that this is worded and cut out, like he is neither man nor woman, he is God. So we obviously have a difficult time like verbalizing that in our language. But I remember a few years ago when the movie The Shack came out. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah. Really? No, I didn't see it. I read the book. Okay. Well, I'm sure the book is probably better. They normally are. But anyway, just mm. in the in the movie, the person of God is um, relayed sometimes as a, a man and sometimes as a woman, just kind of depending upon who God is being in that moment. Like when you're seeing God portray himself in a more intimate way, you see him showing himself in the female form and then vice versa. But anyway, a lot of people had issues with that, right? God, the father, and why are we seeing him in these two different genders? Well, it's because we can't really, because God is God and we can't really, um, yeah, we can't really define him by that. So anyway, I didn't have a problem with how they they chose to to show him in that light. And then that reading this reminded me of that. Um, We ought to recall that God transcends the human distinction between the sexes. He is neither man nor woman. He is God. And there, there might be a couple extremes that you want to hit between here. Sure. That on the one hand, God does transcend fatherhood and motherhood, but in the sexes. On the other hand, Jesus does reveal him yeah. as father constantly. Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, it's more father than mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like there, there's it's somewhere in between those to mm-hmm. say it doesn't matter. You can call God father or you can call God mother. Mm-hmm. That that isn't true because sure. Jesus reveals him as as father. And to think we know better than Jesus is going to be a little bit it's you're on icy ground there not icy slippery Slippery. I guess icy is slippery (laughs) how about that let's just say be warned yeah yeah if if this is what's happening in your prayer and your thoughts that you know more than what the Lord Jesus did that might be an indication that uh anyway it's somewhere you can you could fall through (laughs) yeah so all right um but so but this next step in relation to us, that's kind of what we're getting right here. Mm-hmm. The, God's relation to us. 
But the, the, the next paragraph that you already pointed to in 240, mm-hmm. that unheard of sense is his relation to the son. So the father and the son's relationship, the relation within God himself is, is one of father and son, which is just, just baffling. And it quotes there from John, no one knows the father except the son, and no one knows the son except the father and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that intimacy between the father and the son and um, their unrepeatable relationship. Yeah. And then what about this going on in 241? Because this is good stuff. For this reason, the apostles confess Jesus to be the word. So in the opening of John, right? This is John's Mm -hmm. gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So for this reason, the apostles confess Jesus to be the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's so beautiful and poetic. I love that. Yeah, that opening of John's gospel, because then it gets to that point and the word became flesh Mm -hmm. and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. And then this line here at the end of that paragraph, and we have all seen beheld the radiance of the glory uh, the oh, and we have beheld his glory and that line there in the start of John's gospel is always the one that, that really kind of, mm-hmm. I just love. Mm-hmm. So he is the image of the invisible God. Okay. And then two forty two gets to the church's reflection yeah. on this, right? So we have, we have, and that's always, that's what theology is. It's reflecting upon revelation. Jesus has revealed this in John's gospel in multiple places. And you see it in the other gospels, but maybe what is um, implicit in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is made explicit in John's gospel, which mm. is why it's, you know, there, there are certain things like, oh, there's some relationship between Jesus and God here. And it's like, John just busts it open, spells it out. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, so 242 gets to this like theological reflection because then these became heated controversies, yeah, right? right. It, it, some people say, well, Jesus really isn't God. Jesus is just the greatest creator mm-hmm. or the greatest of uh, God's creation. And the church has to really wrestle with this. Is Jesus really God? And what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and hence the Council of Nicaea, which mm-hmm. is famous as we approach Christmas because St. Nicholas attended the Council of Nicaea. Oh, tell do tell the story of that. Well, so... I like to think that this story is too good not to be true, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is that so? It's Arius is the issue. Arius is a priest. Priests mm-hmm. are always the issue. But um, <laughs> side note, <laughs> yeah. Side note: um, Don't get mad at your priest. He's just fallen in a lot of generations of <laughs> people that have been problems, myself included. Please pray for your priest. Yeah. Pray. Anyways, Arius is just kind of going on about Jesus isn't really God. He's just his greatest creator. Uh, of his creation. The story is Nicholas had had enough and Nicholas goes up, walks across the group of bishops and punches Arius in the face and then gets kicked out of the council of Nicaea. Whether or not that's true. I don't really care. I choose to believe it. Like many of us do with St. Nicholas, right? We choose to to believe believe that as well. Yeah, that's right. The day Santa punched a heretic in the face. Um, And did I ever tell you this? I don't know if I told you this. I had to give a talk one time and I included this story and I rewrote the, uh, rewrote the lyrics to jolly old St. Nicholas. No, are you going to, (laughs) I don't remember all of it. Um, disappointing. Jolly old St. Nicholas, lend your ear this way. Don't you take any more crap that Arius will say. <laughs> Nicaea is coming soon. Now you dear old bitch. That's all I got off the top of my head. That's good. Oh, no, no. It's it's jolly old St. Nicholas. Land your haymaker this way. 
haymakers are kind of punch. Listen, I mean, I agree with you. This it's the story is too good. It's too to, good not to like believe that it actually happened. Anyway, so the Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Um, There's little heated arguments. This is the point, right? <laughs> heated arguments about Jesus's re- the relationship between the Father and the Son, and the word that's come up with is one that we say in the creed that we think's like, ah, oh, what is that word? Consubstantial. Right. Con meaning like if you have like contact with somebody, it's with like that word con mm-hmm. is normally denotes like with. Mm-hmm. So with the same substance, consubstantial. So that means the father and the son have the same substance, which means they're both God. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of spell that out in the creed. Right. Mm-hmm. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made consubstantial with the father. So that's to show that they share the same substance, that the, fa- the father and the son are so intimately united that they are indeed one God. Two persons, one God. So recently, if, am I remembering this right? When we when we did the translations in the liturgy a few years ago, that this was one of the things that was changed with that? Yeah, so it was one in being with the Father. Oh, okay. So yeah, 2011, one in being to consubstantial. And, you know, it basically means the same thing, um, but it's just a, it's a great translation from the Latin, consubstantialum mm-hmm. is the how it's rendered in Latin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you can tell with, when you read this section, it's funny when you can, you, when you pay attention to like the footnotes and things like that, you can kind of tell where, where the, the section of the catechism is going, but councils, different councils are mentioned in these 10 paragraphs yeah. quite a bit. So the council of Nicaea is mentioned. Um, the council at Constantinople is mentioned. The council of Florence is mentioned. Yeah. And you can so you can kind of see what you're what you're getting at here is that the church has to wrestle with these mm-hmm. and what is actually what has actually been revealed by right. God by Christ through Christ so they're putting this into doctrine right and and that's the way to look at it right mm-hmm. it's not saying the church like and I it always gets kind of it always kind of irks me when it says well the church teaches this well God reveals this and then the church is the one that kind of wrestles and tries to clarify what God has revealed. It's like, well, what does the church teach? Well, what does God, like, we don't talk in those languages, in that language. And I think it's because of how Christianity is so divided mm-hmm. that we don't want to talk about, well, God has revealed this to be true. It's like, well, what does the church teach? Mm-hmm. Well, God has said this is true and the church is just the mouthpiece of God. I actually kind of got a little, I, Anyways, I had a conversation with somebody recently and I was like, well, that's, well, that's your truth. And my truth is this. Oh, are in, you know, we don't, but we all belong to the same God. So mm-hmm. I listen to my God. You don't. So I didn't say Boom. that. I didn't no. say that, but, um, my accusatory in a monologue said that mm-hmm. it wasn't the most charitable thing. Mm-hmm. All right. You, did you want to punch anyone in the face? No, I didn't. Okay, that's it was a very nice person. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. but we disagreed and yeah. Well, this and this this is where I like we we do we do need to have an understanding of of this and how where where the church what God has given us the church for right mm. and that the church isn't this lawmaker but this church is this place that is meant to uphold what God has already revealed right, right? and so it's very important that the church does take this straight and narrow stance because it's not just like well I feel this way one day and the next day I feel this way so we can just go on whims right. here. Right. So it's important that we know that because this, it actually, it really matters it if Jesus is God or if he's not mm-hmm. right. If he, if he is just one of us mm-hmm. to quote, whatever is that Sarah McLaughlin? What if God, oh my gosh. I hate I don't that. Know. <laughs> that song will drive me insane, but okay. um, anyways, 
So it actually matters if Jesus is God, because if he's not like um, there was a relationship between humanity and divinity that was ruptured through sin. And it's it, the, the, the gap is so big that one human being cannot bridge that gap on itself. Mm-hmm. And so it takes God himself to mm-hmm. restore that, which is why Jesus is God. And not, not just because, because we need God, then we say it's God. He's mm-hmm. God, but God knew this It's all part of God's plan that humanity is so far gone that actually he has to enter the picture himself mm-hmm. and pick things up. Mm-hmm. Anywho, but I digress. Okay. So this, that was the first section. Um, now the we, father revealed by the son. Yeah. Now the father and the son revealed by the spirit is this next half. Right. So we're getting the third person in the Trinity in there. Season three, episode season one. Season three, episode yeah. one, three and one. Um, side note, do you know those pretzels that like, you know, have like two on the top and one on the bottom. Do you mm-hmm. know the history of that? Is that really true? That like, I believe German nuns is what I've heard. Yeah. That they, that they created that design of the prince of the pretzel to try to like teach the Trinity. Could to, be. I don't know the, you don't know I the don't origin know. of pretzels. I have, Why not? <laughs> so I had one of my friends that had to, this is when we were in the seminary, he had to teach an RCA class about the Trinity. Okay. And there, you know, when you're looking at the Trinity, sometimes there's a, um, there's a tendency to to look at the distinctiveness of the three people, mm-hmm. the three persons of the Trinity, and sometimes you want to look at the unity of the Godhead, right? The the unity or the distinction. So he came up with two images from area restaurants about how to how to talk about the uh, the Trinity, mm-hmm. and the one we were in Cincinnati, mind you, okay. was a three way from Skyline, <laughs> I right? We were going to talk Skyline here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the, there's still you know the the, the three-way is one, right? You've got noodles, chili sauce, cheese. Bucket of health. Bucket of got. health, yeah. That's what you got there. Yeah, Pepto comes later. <laughs> um, but that's distinct, right? You can still pick out the cheese from the meat. And the, but, so they're all, that emphasizes the, uh, the distinctiveness of the persons. The other image to emphasize the unity of the natures was this restaurant down the street that had the three-meat burger that had three meats. I believe it was pork lamb and beef all mixed together mm. to make one burger. So that emphasized the unity of <laughs> as soon as this started to come out of my mouth, I was like, I wish I could stop, but I actually have to go through with this image. Yeah. So anyways, well, I'm sorry, as you're talking about the three meat burger, is that bad that I'm like, oh, Ron Swanson probably eats there. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, anyway, they closed. It was sad. Oh, yeah. They didn't make it very long. Yeah, what a sad it was day. a, it was a happy time. Oh my word. All right. oh, help us Lord. Okay. Paragraph 243. The father and the son revealed by the spirit before his Passover, Jesus announced the sending of quote unquote, another paraclete mm. advocate, the Holy spirit at work since creation, having previously spoken through the prophets, the spirit will now be with and in the disciples to teach them and guide them into all the truth. The Holy spirit is thus revealed as another divine person with Jesus and the father. Mm. Right. So you get that image. Mm-hmm. So from the creed that he has spoken through the prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that's there. We see the spirit at work in the prophets and at work constantly throughout the old Testament. But then that last supper discourse, again, John's gospel, Jesus has, you know, it's like five chapters and it's just pure gold. The, not that any part of the gospels is not pure gold, mm-hmm. but to talk about the spirit about, you know, he will teach you all truth. He will guide you in all things. He will remind you of what I say. 
So that's um, that's the promise of the Holy Spirit that we're touching on here in 243. Okay, continuing. The eternal origin of the Holy Spirit is revealed in his mission in time. The Spirit is sent to the apostles and to the church, both by the Father in the name of the Son and by the Son in person once he had returned to the Father. The sending of the person of the Spirit after Jesus' glorification reveals in its fullness the mystery of the Holy Trinity. The sending of the person of the Spirit after Jesus' glorification reveals in its fullness the mystery of the Holy Trinity. So that's, of course, referring to Pentecost, Mm -hmm. right? When the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles at Pentecost, they have received, they have, and it's been revealed the fullness of the Trinity. That like that's the that's the final piece of this Trinitarian puzzle. Because you have like the Old Testament's about the Father a lot. That's not saying mm-hmm. the Son and the Spirit aren't there, but mm-hmm. um but then Jesus' life, again, it's it's Jesus, mm-hmm. it's the Son. But the Father, of course, is there. You hear the voice at the transfiguration, mm-hmm. you see the Spirit descend upon him at the baptism, he talks about the Spirit, the Father, and on and on. Um, but then the revelation of the Spirit at Pentecost, and then they're ready to go, right? When they receive the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit's been revealed to them, then they're ready to to bust down the doors and go on mission. Mm-hmm. And that's the Holy Spirit reveals himself as God in the mission, you know, in their actions, the Holy Spirit pushes them and, you know, guides them and encourages them and gives them the words to say. I'm, I'm reminded right now of these words of Jesus before he ascends, right? And And the apostles are, are struggling with, you know, him leaving, right? right. And, and his words are, it'll be, it'll be better for you that I go. And right. another one will come, the paraclete will come. Um, that's powerful, right? And mm-hmm. that shows the beauty of the relationship of the Trinity, I think, as well, right? That, that they are acting as this one person in their distinct parts, but as this one being. So, um, yeah. One God. Thank Not you. one person. Thank you. One God. We're trying. Thank you. We're we're gonna skirt some theological. You know, like, ugh, it's a minefield. Very easy to slip into heresy. Yes. Well, thank you for. That. Yeah. Well, and then uh, yeah. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. I don't. No. Nah, let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, then, because I, I I don't. There's there's stuff in the middle here. I don't want to gloss over. But since we're talking about that, like how easy it is to kind of slip into theological heresies yeah. right without knowing any better <laughs> yeah right? so we we always priests joke that uh trinity sunday is heresy sunday because oh. you do your best to try to communicate about the trinity and you know there's some really easy places to go wrong mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah well they at the very end of this like the last two paragraphs talking about this um oh my gosh this point of disagreement that mm. is at place with the Orthodox churches and how just these little things that like you mentioned earlier with like this, this teaching or with this truth of Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Maybe it seems like a little thing on paper, but it's actually a big deal. Right. Right. And so we, we're hearing that come up too in this section talking about some of that, but maybe I jumped too far ahead. Maybe there's more in 245 or 246 that you want to touch on. Um, you know, 245 just notes the Council of Constantinople in 381 that talks about the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. That's where we get that in the mm-hmm. creed, uh, who proceeds from the Father, and that uh, the church recognizes that the Father is the source and origin of everything. Like, everything comes from the goodness, from the benevolence of the Father, and um, and that includes the Holy Spirit, comes from the goodness of the Father. So, that was it. And then, And then that's when things get a little hairy, right? We all agree on that. And then, so there's this, 
there's this diversion that happens in the creed that over, and so we're quoting the Council of Florence here, which is 1438. The count, so in 1095, the church splits, right? We think of the Protestant Reformation as the big split. It ain't got nothing on the, um, the Great Schism of 1095, where the Eastern Church and the Western Church formally split. The Pope excommunicates the, the bishop, the Eparch of Constantinople, and a patriarch of Constantinople. There's less mutual excommunication. It's terrible. Christendom split 1095, sad year. So part of that is political, right? Part of that is the Roman Empire moves. And so there's political. The theological like back backdrop is related to this about is is related to the Holy Spirit divided Christianity. And you think, well, that's silly. Just get over it. That doesn't matter. But it does. And it comes from this word, and we say this at the um, in the creed. Um, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, which is said in 381, we add, and the Son, which was, you know, and it talks about how that had begun to show up already in 447 by Pope Leo. So does the Holy Spirit come from only the Father, or does he come from the Son and the Son? And that's the that's the big issue, right? Does he mm-hmm. does the Holy Spirit just come from the Father, or does he come from the Father and the Son? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any commentary? I on have that? nothing. Okay. All well, right. I told you when we started, like I my knowledge here is pretty limited, so I was totally depending on you to just run with this, especially this. I mean, I did find this incredibly interesting to think about something that, again, I like I just mentioned, on paper seems like such a little thing, mm-hmm. but in the reality. Isn't it just a little thing that you just like, all right, well, you just have your truth and it's all good and we'll just move on and everything will be fine, right? Right. Um, so, okay. So the Holy Spirit is eternally from Father and Son. You're quoting the Council of Florence right here, right? Right. Yep. 1431, Council of Florence tried to reunite Eastern and Western Christianity. It could have worked. Let's not get into the historical okay. about why it didn't. Okay. Sad. Okay. Right. So he so this is the Western Church, which is a Roman Catholicism, right? This is this is what's in our creed that he comes from the Father and the Son. Why why is that important? Why in why so why because if let's see we have the Father, we have one one um one one person or one um what would we call it? What's the theological term? Ooh. My Trinitarian teacher is going to like, have it out for me. So I, the Father, the, the Son comes from the Father, mm-hmm. and then the Holy Spirit also comes from the Father. Mm-hmm. If those are the same kind of relationships of coming from the Father, mm-hmm. then there's little difference except the incarnation, which isn't a little difference, but mm-hmm. they're eternally they'd, they'd be the same thing pre-incarnation, right? The Son and the Spirit. If they both come from the Father, mm-hmm. they're both a similar way they're begotten, mm-hmm. right? Similar way they're generated from the Father. Mm-hmm. But if the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son, that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. That he comes uh, from he comes from both. One mm-hmm. spiration is what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit spirate. That's mm-hmm. kind of a it's a cool theological term. Mm-hmm. A spiration, mm-hmm. yeah. So and then at the bottom here, it's going to say the Eastern Catholic tradition is that he comes from the Father through the Son. Which is, which, you know, those, 
I'm not, I think this is probably about as far as we're going to go on this theological understanding, but just to know there's differences Mm -hmm. and those two are okay, right? To say from the father and the son or from the father through the son, Mm -hmm. um, that is, um, both Eastern and Western Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, isn't it, isn't it, um, Anytime we talk about schisms and factions and divisions and, as the catechism points out, points of disagreement, mm-hmm. in some way, it's very discouraging. And um, I don't know, maybe we feel the Lord's pain a little bit. I mean, he, he did, does want us all to be gathered together as one. And then when we see this living out in reality of everything that's happened, and I'm sure that we weren't perfect before the split in 1095 either, right? So... Uh, no, he's saying. Um, but anyway, it, it's always, I think the temptation is to really get disheartened in the imperfections that exist, even in the church. So we know all these imperfections are in the world. We're feeling ourselves being drawn. We feel ourselves being like, okay, well, maybe maybe these crazy Christians are right. Maybe Christ really is the answer. But then we start learning more and more about about church and factions. And we're like, no, this can't be right either because it's a hot mess in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think instead of letting it be a point of discouragement, we should be reminded that this is actually proof of why we are so dependent on Christ coming as our savior and redeemer. Like we are a hot mess. Mm. And even when he gives us this perfect church in the beginning and, and comes and saves us, that we still have a way of messing things up again. Right. Right. And it really takes very little time and just a very lot of pride is what it takes. Right. Mm -hmm. And self-reliance. Um, so I guess my point is like, don't let this discourage us. This is a reality. It is incredibly imperfect and um, factions exist and these points of disagreements exist, but our dependence should not be on the perfection, but on Christ's mercy, right? And on what mm-hmm. he's actually done for us. So anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah, that's a good two cents. I'm trying to think of like, why, how does this affect us? And what, why, like, why does this matter? Mm-hmm. And I, I know it's there somewhere. I'm struggling to like, verbalize it and just, but it's just good to know, like these are, these are real issues and it's called the filioque Mm -hmm. controversy. So filioque is the Latin word for, and the son. So whether the Holy spirit comes from just the father or the father and the son, that's the, it's the whole controversy. I wish I would have uh, studied up a little better, but here we are. It's almost Thanksgiving. So the tryptophan of the Turkey is already, um, on my taste buds. We can tell because you talked about Turkey skyline and some triple the meat, three combo. meat burger. <laughs> so yeah. he's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we did our best. We did our best. We'll be back again. We're going to get another shot at this. Good. Okay. Well, good. I mean, not this topic. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no. Good. <laughs> no, I'm sure this will all arise again, come back up again. And you know, father, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know what, what you feel like your, intentions are with this podcast and with what we're doing here and some of the goals. But my intention obviously is just like to introduce people to some Mm. of these ideas. Like I am in no way, shape or form telling you, I understand and an expert in any of this, but just to introduce people to the catechism and to what's in it, I think Mm. is really important. So I don't think we have to have all the answers. I hope our listeners and those watching it aren't, aren't tuning in because they think we have them. That's a great thought. That is a great thought. Now you've heard about the filioque controversy. Yeah, that's right. So, it exists. Uh, and there's a whole lot more. So if you are really interested in it, 
um, write to us. There is, I think there is a whole book out there just about the Filioque controversy. And one day I saw it on Amazon. I really wanted to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I refrained because I was like, it'll be years before I get that. Maybe somebody will give me a copy. There you go. Don't give me a copy. <laughs> You're going to get 20 copies of that for Christmas. Oh, sweet. Now. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, we should cross it off and throw yes. the dart. Season three, episode one off the list. While Father Sean is doing that and pulling the dart, let me read you. There were a couple things on the in brief here. Um, the incarnation of God's son reveals that God is the eternal father and that the son is consubstantial with the father, which means that in the father and with the son, the son is one and the same God. The mission of the Holy Spirit sent by the father in the name of the son and by the son from the father reveals that with them, the spirit is one and the same God. With the father and the son, he is worshiped and glorified. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father as the first principle and by the eternal gift of this to the Son from the communion of both the Father and the Son. That was quoting St. Augustine. Okay. Yeah. So maybe the most important thing is it is one God, not three gods, three persons in one God. Three persons, one God, three in one. That's right. Season three, episode one. Season three, episode one. In the book. In the books. In the books. Sure. Yeah. Where do you want to go today? Prayer. I always pick prayer. Scripture part two. Scripture's good too. We just did part one not too long ago, I feel like. I think we did part three. Oh, okay. That could be. We're going in reverse. We're going in reverse. 109 through 119. We are just cranking out this we first section of the catechism. We are not getting past this first section. Okay. That's all good. 109 to 119, scripture part two. Okay. So I had this Trinitar- this Trinity prayer that I found okay. that I was hoping to maybe close with today. It's so short, um, but I think it's really beautiful. And I am going to... Is it the glory be? It is not the glory uh, be, although maybe we should try that again since we didn't do a good job the first time. But I thought I would just pray it a few times that we can maybe put on repeat. Maybe it become a prayer that becomes a part of our inner being here. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love of Jesus, fill us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Will of the Father be done. Love of Jesus, fill us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Will of the Father be done. Love of Jesus, fill us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Will of the Father be done. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.